Okay. All right, let's start with Paro. Paro is a, a real Pella, no? Does Paro make any sense to you? He's so stubborn. Paro is so stubborn that when his own, when his own people are, are starting to rebel against him and they're saying to Paro, they say such strong words, they say, Paro, like, what's, what's the plan here? What are you doing? Why are you being, why are you being so difficult? Why are you allowing Mitzrayim to be destroyed? Admasai. Right? This past week's parasha, Admasai. They come to Paro, they say, Admasai. Haterev, haterev of the Mitzrayim. Don't you realize Mitzrayim is going to be destroyed? Like, when are you going to finally crack? Everyone's turning against Paro. His own people are against Paro. And yet Paro, in this inexplicable way, is an incredibly stubborn person. And at a certain point, a Baruch Hu takes away Paro's Bechira. Shem says, Paro, we're done, we're done. We're done negotiating from this point forward. I'm in control. And I want to just start with a couple of psukim that highlight that highlight what Hashem wants from Paro. Because the truth is, a Kodesh Baruch Hu could have forced Paro's hand much earlier in this whole thing. Hashem didn't have to schlep it out for a whole year. If Hashem wanted to take Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim in 30 seconds, in one second, it could have been done. So why why did Hashem keep Paro around? So if you go back to Parshos, the source number one, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ki in the name of Hashem. Hashem uh, sends a message. Ki as yodi. If I would just send forth my hand. And I were to strike you with a plague. Hashem says, I could have sent one plague. I could have sent one strike against you. And I could have wiped you all out. Could have dropped a bomb on your whole country and called it a day. Could have finished it up in a second. So Hashem says, Power, I want you to know why I'm keeping you around. Why am I schlepping this out? It's for this reason that I've maintained you. I've kept you in the game, Power. Because I want you to see my power, my strength. And that you should speak. You, everyone should speak. The world should come to recognize the greatness of Hashem. In other words, what's Hashem saying to Paro? What's Hashem saying to Paro? You're a tool. You're a tool that I'm using. Right? You're just a vessel that's going to be used. You think you're fighting against me. You think we're negotiating. You think, right, we come to the table and it's back and forth negotiations. Hashem says, Paro, let me just make it very clear. I could obliterate you in a second. I could have you eliminated in a second. I'm keeping you around at this point. Because I'm going to use you to increase the honor of, uh, of my name in the world. So, Paro, don't have any dimyonos, don't have any misunderstanding of what's happening here. How about this past week's Parsha? Moshe, go to Paro, you should know that I've hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. Why? Liman shisi ososai ela bekirbo. So that I can carry, I can display my signs in his midst. I want to. I want to play this out. Hashem says, "I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying being able to show my strength, my greatness." And I want to leave a legacy. Have a listen to this. I want to leave a legacy for Klal Yisrael to tell your children and your grandchildren. And these next words are very, very strong. As I share his alalti b'mitzrayim. What is this, Alalti? I mean, what does Rashi say in this past week's parasha? 
How would you translate his halalti? As Asher his halalti by Mitzrayim, how he made a mockery out of Mitzrayim. Rashi says, Schok, I made a joke out of Mitzrayim. I ridiculed Mitzrayim. I kept you around, Paro, just to toy with you. Again, I'm using you as a puppet to just carry out my divine will. And by the end of this, you're going to know full well who I am. Why am I, why am I starting with this? What, what does this have to do with Chodesh Shvar? And what does it have to do with the beginning of a new Zman? I'm going to say it very straight. We have to choose in life either to be with Hashem or against Hashem. And either way, Hashem is going to use us to carry out His will. None of us are going to be able to create our own version of reality. We're all, we're all tools in a Kaddish Baruch Hu's hands. We can embrace the opportunity to be a vessel for godliness in this world, or we can spend our whole life fighting it, and then Hashem will still find a way. Hashem says, by the way, in case you think like we're fighting against each other and you have this own independent existence, I want to be very clear, you don't. So you can get on board, you can be an Evan Hashem, you can get serious about this, or you can spend your whole life being like a paro and Hashem's going to whip you into shape eventually anyways. Because at the end of the day, the world needs to know that I am Hashem. That's what Mashiach is. Like the Navi says. That the world should be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. Yirmiyahu HaNavi says, and we paraphrase it on Yom Kippur, you'll recognize the phrase. Yirmiyahu HaNavi says, Hashem says, listen to what, what Yirmiyahu Navi says to us. Jewish people, don't you realize that I can deal with you, I can act towards you, I have the ability to mold you like a yotzer. What's a yotzer? Like a, like a creator? Like an artist, like clay in the hands of a craftsman. All right, just pause for a second. Look at look at source number four. Like we say in Ma'ariv Yom Kippur, right? Those extra tefilos that we add at the end of Yom Kippur. Like Rafi said, we're like clay in the hands of a potter. A yotzer is a potter. So says Yirmiyahu Navi to the Jewish people, don't you realize? Don't you realize I can do whatever I want with you? Now, if we're if we're haughty, that's a very scary thought. But if I'm humble, that's the greatest. That's the greatest privilege that Hashem is going to use me as His what? As His mouthpiece to share His messages in the world. That I'm going to be someone who carries out His will in the world. Shlucho shal adam kamoso, like we say in halacha, that a shliach of a person is like the person. So when I act as a shliach of Hashem in this world, when I act as a shliach of a Kaddish Baruch in this world, so then I, I become like Hashem. I'm created with Selim Elokim. I get to be a miniature version, Kiviachal of Hashem. So I can feel that that robs me of my independent existence, or I can embrace that and say that's the most gewaldic privilege in the world. So going back to the words of Yirmiyahu Navi, Yirmiyahu Navi says, Don't you realize I can mold you however I want? You're like clay in the hands of a, of a craftsman, of a potter. So too, you're in my hands. 
Now, what can the what can the, the potter do with the clay in his hands? Right? He can make something beautiful out of it. He can crush it up. He can make something very large. He can make a large if he's a skilled potter. He can right. He can make the walls very thin, but in a way that they won't crack and keep just keep expanding the clay bigger and the vessel becomes bigger and bigger. Or he can make the vessel small and unrefined. So we say in Ma'ariv, on the night of Yom Kippur, when we're standing before our Creator, Lefnei Hashem Titaru, we say, We're like clay in the hands of a potter. Again, this phrase from Ma'ariv Yom Kippur comes from the Navi Yirmiya. If he wants, he can expand it, Ma'ariv. He can widen it. He can mold it. He can fashion it in a beautiful way, in an expansive way. Uvirtsoso, but if he wants, mikatser, he can make it very small. Don't you realize that the, the, the expansiveness or the smallness of your life is entirely dependent on how Hashem is going to mold you? So we dive into Hashem. Kain anachnu biyadcha chesed notzer. So we say, Rabbono Shalom, we recognize, on the night of Yom Kippur, we recognize, and we beg you, that we're, we feel that we're in your hands, and we ask Hashem, Labris habet, turn, pay attention, look at the bris, remember the, the covenant, remember the treaty, remember that we're partners, Hashem, we're not against you, we're with you. Va'al tefen Don't listen to the Yetzar, don't listen to the accusers who try to slander us on the night of Yom Kippur to say, Hashem, this world is, this world is one big disappointment. And these Jews are guilty, don't give them life. We say to Hashem, no, Hashem, remember, we're on your team. We're not like Paro. We're not fighting against you. We want to be on your team. Right? We see ourselves as genuine partners. There's a bris, there's a covenant, there's a treaty between us. Don't listen to the Sahara. Don't listen to the accusations against us. Yes, Dan Yosef, a.k.a. Jordan. And we can recognize that Hashem's Hashem's got our back. Hashem's on our team. Right? Hashem is fully is fully backing us, and I'm in His hands. Again, being in someone's hands that can be very comfort, right? like a baby in its mother's arms. It's a very comforting feeling, where I can feel that I'm I'm held in captivity. I'm trapped in someone's hands. It's a very it's a very scary image. Right? So that's that's a choice. That's a choice that we have to make. And this idea is really what it means to be an Eved Hashem. What's an Eved Hashem? We're called a lot of different things. We're Hashem's children, but we're also Hashem's avadim, right? We even, we even like, for bring on that over Yom Naram, you know, im kabanim, im kavadim, right? We're going back and forth. We're trying to work through it. Which are we? Are we more children? Are we more avadim? Are we both? Right? And either way, Hashem, here's how we want you to deal with us. What does it mean to be an Eved Hashem? What's the idea of an Eved Hashem? How do we feel about the idea of avdus? Talked about getting out of getting out of slavery. We're trying to get out of Mitzrayim. Right, this week's parsha, we finally uh, we seal the deal. We leave Mitzrayim. The thought of it, the concept of Eved rubs us the wrong way. No, the, the term Eved is slavery, captivity, right? no independent existence, and yet, 
and yet the greatest praise of arguably the greatest Jew is that he's called an Eved Hashem. Yismach Moshe, what do we say every Shabbos? Yismach Moshe, b'mat naschalko, ki Eved Ne'eman Karasala. Moshe rejoices in the fact that he's called, what? A faithful Eved. A faithful servant of Hashem. What does it mean to be an Eved Hashem? How does a person live as an Eved Hashem? What, is, what do we know about an Eved? An Eved does exactly what the Master wanted to do. What his boss expects him to do. So again, if I feel that my boss, that my, that my Master doesn't have my best interest in mind, so the only thing I want to do is get away from it. I want to be set free. But when I believe right, that my Master is molding me to be the best version of myself, the way that Hashem, as our Master, is molding us and wants us to be Holy Avadim, right? Avadai Him, as Hashem says. I want you to be my sacred uh, servants, workers, partners. Right? Again, a lot of imagery. Hashem is a king, we're subjects. Hashem is, a, is like a husband, and Klai sells the wife. Hashem's like a parent, we're like a child. Hashem's like a Rebbe, we're like a student. Hashem's like a master, and we're like an Evet. Of all those terms, in a certain sense, Evet Hashem is the highest term. Moshe Rabbeinu passes away at the end of the Torah. Moshe, the Eved Hashem. Moshe is called Yismach Moshe. Moshe is so happy that he earned the title Eved Hashem. Because, however, it's not easy to be called an Eved Hashem. We throw the term around very, you know, casually. What does it mean to be an Eved Hashem? Vayihi, first pasuk can say for Yoshua. Vayihi achrei mos Moshe Eved Hashem. Klayishol is moving forward, and if you have to sum up who Moshe was in one line, says the first Pasuk in Sefer Yoshua, it was after the death of Moshe, and if I have to describe him, Eved Hashem. What does it mean to be an Eved Hashem? That's the best description you could have. You could have called him the great Rabban Shal Yisrael, the great Rebbe, the teacher of Klay Yisrael. There's a lot of ways you could describe Moshe's leadership. What Moshe Rabbeinu meant to us. You know what Moshe was? He was a model of what it means to be an Eved Hashem. And what is an Eved Hashem? Says the Radak, explaining that Pasuk. Eved Hashem, Mi shesam kol kocho, v'kavanaso, v'kol hashgachosav b'shem yisbarach. A person who places all of his strength and all of his attentiveness on Hashem. All of his kavanah, all of his focus, all of his hashgacha, everything that he's paying attention to, everything he's looking at. He's just looking for God everywhere he goes in his life. Va'af bizasko binyane ha'olam. When he thinks about what do I want to do professionally, he asks himself, how does this help my relationship with Hashem? When he engages in mundane activities, he's involved in Olam Haza activities. He says, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is Ratzon Hashem. And Ebed Hashem wants to live always in fulfillment of Ratzon Hashem. That's why Tzadikim talk about how Moshe is Gematria Ratzon. Moshe is 345, Ratzon is 346, but Moshe with the kolel, which we use in Gematria, is the Gematria Ratzon. Because all he's interested is not his Ratzon, he's interested in his Ratzon, with a capital H. Ratzon Hashem. Yeah, Moshe. But most of the, like, when you think of an Evan, you think of someone who does the massive bidding, like, unquestioning them. Well, Moshe, then he famously... It's true. It's true. Moshe, Moshe argues with Hashem quite a bit. He fights with Hashem quite a bit. It's true. It's a great question. 
So when we look back at Moshe's life and we say, Sof kol Sof, if I have to sum it all up, he's an Eved Hashem. Right, so what does that mean? What does that mean? Right? We had it, we had it uh, you weren't here on Thursday, but we had it on Thursday when we were learning the Agra Dekala. Right? That Moshe ended Parsha Shemos by saying, God, what are you doing? And Hashem says, whoa, Moshe, I'll show you exactly what I'm doing. Right? So do we say that at the end of Moshe's life, he, like, he got it? Or maybe part of being an Eved Hashem, there's a place to, maybe as opposed to being a slave to a paro, unquestioning, maybe there is room for questioning when it comes to Hashem. Maybe that's not a stira. And again, it, we're not saying Moshe is an Eved Hashem to the exclusion of the other relationships. In other words, a husband and wife have to learn how to talk to each other sometimes about hard things. Even to complain to each other, right, about the other's behavior. Right? So there's a part of Moshe that's unquestioning in his, in his faith, his commitment to Hashem. Right? I mean, Moshe's final desire is to go into Eretz Yisrael. He davens 515 tefillos. He begs Hashem to go into Eretz Yisrael. Hashem says, stop asking. And he stops. He doesn't say, it's not fair. I give my whole life to you. All I want is this. Sof kol sof. And if this is what you want, if this is your ratzon, I'm a kabe. I accept it. It's a high level. No, I'm going to add something. I was, I was going to add on to more questions. I think Greg covered it with, like, what, what are the different facets of your relationships with Hashem, and, and how do you, like, what's the distinction between an Eved and a son, and uh, right. all of that? So I think that's... So I think, I think part of having a, a, live, a live relationship, right, a relationship that's not dead, means that it, it, it evolves through all those different things, right? There's times of of all those different uh, layers of closeness. If you remember, I once told you of art, such a gishmak of art, the sefer called Oalei Shem. There's a sefer called Oalei Shem of Shem Klingberg, who was a tzaddik who was killed in the Holocaust. Let's see if he's working. And he says, in Parshas Mishpatim, I got a doubt. I didn't doubt. I did. We had this problem once before. If the dot, you don't dot, you don't get anything. Okay. No. Shall I make the red marker work. Oh, it's full. It wasn't like that. See the marker that looks suck. What am I saying? Marker that looks nice, and nice and healthy. You know, it's worthless. This this little this little pintle ear over here. <laughs> okay. So Rav Shem Klingberg, say for all Sham. He says that if you look at the first word of the Torah, he says the Nakudos revealed to us the three basic relationships we have with Hashem. What does that mean? He says if I was drawing, let's say, a family tree, right, and I wanted to show a parent-child relationship, so I would put, uh, let's say, a dot on top of a dot, a shvan, a dot to the base. If I wanted to show a husband and wife, or maybe siblings, I put two dots next to each other. There's a relationship that we have with Hashem, a single dot, which is one that I'm absolutely one with Hashem. It's what's described in Shira Shirim as Achosi uh, Rayasi Tomasi. Tomasi is like a lashon of, uh, of my wholesome one, right? the one who's united with me. It's also a lashon of Toomen, which means twins. Right? The same way that twins are formed within the same within the mother, within the same space. So, so too, there's a, there's a level of connection we have with Hashem. That's actually why it comes up in Parshish Mishpatim, 
because at Har Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu divided the blood, sprinkled half the blood on the Mizbeach and half the blood on the people, a very strange scene at the end of Parsh Meshpatim. And Rashi says, a Malach came and divided it exactly even. Because Hashem, Hashem sees us as genuine partners with him. It's not that we put more blood on the Mizbeach and less blood on the people. In other words, the bris is mamish 50-50. We're, we're mamish together in this. So again, so the first word of the Torah is already hinting to us the many relationships, right, that we have with the Kaddish Baruch, and they're all true. We have to be a parent and a child, we have to be an Eved Hashem, we have to be a spouse, we have to be like siblings, we have to be one with Hashem. The ratio, the way he writes it, he says, Lamana Chai it's siblings. It could, be, it could be husband and wife also. Right? It could be Chavrusas. Right? There's a level of, of you know, like almost top-down authority, then there's side-by-side, side, and then there's Mamish being one with Hashem. Mamish Yichud with Hashem. Yeah. I like how the, these, uh, the top-down authority probably covers Eved and son, um, which is like, they're the same concept if you believe that your master or your parents have the right head. Nachon. I'll show you how true it is. What's the gematria of Eved Hashem? What's the gematria of Eved Hashem? Hashem being 26. You're okay about how much is iron? 70. 70, 76, and 26 is how much? 102. Right? 90 and 12. Right? Okay. Where, how does Hashem describe us in the Torah as his children of Parshas Rehei? Banim What's the matter of Banim? Imka Banim, Imka Avadim. What's the matter of Banim? What are we doing with the Mam regular, 40. 40, 50. Plus none, another 50, 102. Okay, what else is 102? You need one more word. And it's very nice, you know what I'm saying. What's the first thing Hashem tells us at Harsinai? I am Hashem, your God. What's the first mitzvah? Open up the Rambam. Mitzvah number one is what? Emuna. Right? Believe in Hashem. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. So the first, the Nam says, the first, the first letter of the Torah, the underpinning of the whole start to the Torah is a dot on top of a dot. What's a dot on top of a dot? It's, it's Eved and Master. Right? It's Eved Hashem. It's also parent and child. So it's Banim. Right? But the, just the same way the first words at Har Sinai have to be Amuna, the first teaching at Har Sinai is you believe in Hashem, right? So the first thing in the Torah has to be to teach that, that there's a, I have to trust. I trust my parent. I trust my, I trust my master. I trust my God. What's the gematria of the word emuna? Gematria of the word emuna? No guessing, heaven, no guessing. Right? Emuna is also 102. Emuna 102. Okay, so it's very beautiful. It works out very beautifully. Okay, so it's interesting that Moshe Dafka, at the end of his life, he's called what? Eved Hashem, even more than Banim. And I'll show you what I mean by that in a second. But says the Radak, being called Eved Hashem is the biggest compliment. Kamo Avraham Avdi, David Avdi, Avadai Hanaviyim. Anyone who made it in Yiddishkeit is called an Eved Hashem. Avraham is called an Eved Hashem. David Amalek, Eved Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu, Eved Hashem. Prophets, Eved Hashem, Avadai Hanaviyim, as they're called. Like prophets, my holy Avadim. It's the biggest, it's the biggest praise. And that's why you open up to the last page of the Torah. 
As the Torah is wrapping up, says the Shemi Shmuel, of Shmuel of Sakachov, who was his father, who's the father of the Shemi Shmuel, the Avne Nezer, who's the Avne Nezer's father in law, Kotzker Rebbe. Okay, so the Shemi Shmuel is a grandson of the Kotzker, the Heliga Kotzker. Renach Mendel of So says the Shemi Shmuel. Says the Shemi Shmuel in source number seven. This is his last piece in Shemi Shmuel on Chumash. Look how the Torah describes Moshe and his passing. Ever Hashem. Says the Medrash. Look what he writes. Bisifrei, that's the Medrash. The Medrash on Devarim. Bisifrei, the Medrash tells us. The Torah is not coming to say bad about Moshe Rabbeinu, it's coming to praise Moshe Rabbeinu. In case you think being called an Eved is like a schleppy title, and it's not an honorable you know, way to describe someone, Eved, a slave, a servant, says the Medrash, you should know that as Moshe is being described in his death, we're not slandering Moshe, God forbid. We find that the prophets were called of Adam. Ever Hashem is a Gavaldic title. It's a big, it's a big praise. Asks the Shemi Shmuel, I ask the obvious question, do we really have a Hava, Mina? Do we really think that in the closing lines of the Chumash, the final Psukim, right? you think this is how we sum up the Torah? By slandering Moshe and saying, well, he didn't really make it, he was just Ever Hashem? Do we really have a havli that the, that the Medrash needs to tell us? In case you think Ever Hashem is a slap in the face to Moshe Rabbeinu, you should know it's not. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome. Want to introduce yourself to everyone for a second? Sure. <laughs> I'm Josh Goldfeder. I'm the five pounds. I'm sorry, I'm late. I had a good, good. call. Call. Okay. Fire the all right, Josh, we finally got you in our show. It's been a work in progress. You're here. We're happy you're here. Okay. Everything okay? Yeah. No, yeah, usual. Okay. Save anyone's life today, I'm saying? Uh, transport. Okay. Hit his head. Okay. Shavar for Thank you for your service. So says the Shem Yishmuel, do you think, do I really have a Hava Mina that we're saying bad on Moshe Rabbeinu? This is how, this, you're summing up Moshe Rabbeinu's life. And you're telling the Moshe's an Eved Hashem. Medrash says, in case you think we're, we're like trash-talking Moshe Rabbeinu in the final Pesukim of the Chumash, you should know or not. We really thought, that's really what we thought? That's what we, that we had a Hava Mina like that? That such a thing could be? Explains the Shem Yishmuel, there's a Madrega called Eved, there's a Madrega called Banim. Banim, the way a parent-child relationship is supposed to be, I know it's not always that way. I know it's not always that way, but the way it should be when it's when it's as proper as it can be is unconditional love. A parent's love for a child is supposed to be unconditional love. So if anyone had, and, and I'll go a step further, and children, because parents love their children so much, kids can get away with things. Kids can sometimes get away with things that they shouldn't get away with, but the parent, what can they do? The parent loves the kid. There's a Gemara like that. You know the story of Choni Hamagel? Choni Hamagel, right? Choni Hamagel, Choni, the circle drawer. It wasn't raining, and Choni Hamagel drew a circle on the floor, and he stood in the circle, and he said, I'm not leaving the circle until God makes it rain. 
And they said, Choni, you're chutzvah. Like, who, who makes demands of Hashem like that? But you get away with it because you're like a child who sometimes acts disrespectful with a parent and still gets his or her way because, you know, it's my kid. So what choice do I have? A parent's love is, is supposed to be some, something unconditional. So if anyone had access to Hashem, like a parent to a child, if anyone was super close with Hashem in history, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. He spoke to Hashem, pal peh. The Torah calls Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem's friend. No one had access like Moshe Rabbeinu. Says the Shem Yishmuel, and that's why calling Moshe Evet Hashem is an even bigger compliment. You know why? Because what happens when you get too buddy-buddy? What happens when a person gets a little too Hamish, you know, with people who they have to have respect for? Yeah? You're going to go over to Rebbe Tversky in the base Medrash. Yo, Rebbe, what's going on, Rebs? What's going on? Crazy. You'd be out of your mind. You'd be totally insane. Right? Why? I'm very, I'm very close. He's, right? We have a very close relationship. Okay, but there's still, there's still a degree of, of Yira that's appropriate. Right? That's true by a parent also, obviously. Right? That's true by a parent also. So Moshe Rabbeinu has this awesome inner access to Hashem. He's a Ben by Kodesh Baruch Hu, more than anyone. We're all bonded to Hashem. But if anyone can be called a, a genuine, you know, has a really intimate, close, loving, bond, access to Hashem's inner world, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. And yet, it never took away from the fact that what? That he remained in heaven. He didn't get too Hamish with Hashem to the point that he became lackadaisical. Which, by the way, is the danger of anything we'll ever learn this whole semester in Hasidus. Which is, if I know how much Hashem loves me, so I can do more of Eros and not care so much because ah, God loves me anyways. That's not what Hasidus is. That's not what Pneum Yisator is. That's a perversion. When you learn about Hashem's love, you should want to make Hashem even more proud. Not, God forbid, make excuses for yourself. Now that I know that Hashem is willing to forgive me no matter what, and Hashem loves me no matter what, so now I can do whatever I want. Now I can be a bum. No, the opposite. Now, now, now I, I feel so embraced that I want to make Hashem proud. Right? It's mamish the opposite. And Hashem Yishmuel ends the piece. He says, it's a big muster. Shmuel is for us. Look at the last three lines of Source 7. When a person feels the joy of a mitzvah, that should not be sufficient. Don't say, like, I love Hashem. You know, I have a lot of Avas Hashem, but I don't have any Yiras Hashem. No such thing. You can't just be a person who loves Hashem. You can't be a person who just does mitzvahs asay, but can't, can't ever like say no to your Yitzhara. That's also not, that's not a loving relationship. Hashem, I wear tefillin, I shake a lulav, I blow the shofar, right? But I also, you know, I do a lot of averos also. So Hashem says, so you need to work on that. Well, why? But I do all that other good stuff. So like, we'll call it even. No, it doesn't work like that. When a person feels a simcha shel mitzvah, what should you do with that? To make you a more dedicated servant of Hashem. You should want to accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven even more so, with pride. Not as a burden. To attach yourself with a strong bond. That my Avas Hashem should never impinge upon my Yerash Shemayim. They, they should go strong together. Okay? So calling Moshe Eved Hashem, calling Moshe Eved Hashem is the biggest is the biggest uh, is the biggest compliment. That after all of his closeness with Hashem, all of his love for Hashem, it never took away from his it never took away from his Yiras Hashem. However, being an Eved Hashem, let's go back to the Radak again. The Radak told us being an Eved Hashem means 
asking myself, how can I align myself in all that I do with Hashem? Now, I know it sounds like a very high level. It is a very high level. But it's also, it's also a starting point. It's also making a commitment. It's about making a commitment to your Chavrusa. It's about making a commitment to Hashem. It's about making a commitment to me, being part of something. Right? It's about my commitment to you. It's about our, our collective commitment to Hashem, to learn well, to be serious. Right? That, that doesn't take away from having a good time. Have a good time and share. But it has to be with a level with a level of what? With a level of, of commitment, like an Evid. Right? An Evid an is dedicated to his life's work. And it's the biggest, again, it's the biggest privilege, it's the biggest privilege in the world. If I can make myself into that vessel, if I can be a vessel for Kodesh Baruch Hu to express himself in this world, there's nothing better than that. I'll give you a mashal. I'll give you a great mashal. Okay, look at the last source on the first page. Amazing mashal from the Sefer Biam Dar Kecha. He says, let's compare it. The mashal no saf hu ramkol. Let's compare it to a ramkol. What's a ramkol? A loudspeaker. Okay? A megaphone. Right? A microphone. Imagine, imagine that there's a, you know, imagine Rav Soloveitchik, right? In his prime. Yeah? I love. Imagine the Rav in his prime with a packed Lamport Auditorium. Yeah? Right down the hall. Lamport filled with overflows into here. Right? For, you know, Rav Soloveitchik's yard site here. Where the Truva Drasha. We'd speak for five hours and everyone was captivated for, for five hours straight. Unbelievable. So imagine, so you're sitting, you're sitting, I don't know, you're sitting in the spillover room. You're in this room, right? Or even if you're in the main room and you're sitting in the back, there are speakers, there's a microphone. There's no way his voice can carry around the whole room, certainly not into this room. So imagine, right, you're sitting in this room, you're listening to this great, this great rug, this great lecture, this great darshan. Giving a drasha, and you're hearing you're hearing the voice being projected through this through the speaker through the loudspeaker. So so what is the role of the loudspeaker, and how do we how do we relate to the loudspeaker? How does the loudspeaker relate to himself? If the loudspeaker had uh, had the ability to think, what would it what would it think? Would the loudspeaker think? Look at me, I'm giving I'm giving a shir to a thousand people, right? Would the microphone would the microphone say, "Wow, look at me"? The microphone understands that it's just a tool. The loudspeaker understands it's just a vehicle by which to transmit the voice of the rav. So every one of us in our relationship with Hashem is the same thing. I want to be the loudspeaker that the dvar Hashem comes through. I never think that it's really me because it's not really me. Nothing's really me. It's not surprising, by the way, that Moshe Rabbeinu was also described as Anu of Mikol Adam. It goes together. Only a person who could be so humble could make himself such a vessel for Elokus, for godliness. But he says, look what he writes, The loudspeaker is nothing. The loudspeaker which was used, right? The loudspeaker which was used to share this brilliant Torah. The loudspeaker can think, this is my Torah. What is the loudspeaker? It allows the voice of the one who's truly speaking to be heard, to be spoken, with greater strength, to project. For whatever reason, Hashem chooses or has, in quotes, a hard time having His voice heard in the world. So, however, you know what our job is? 
to be to be a microphone, to be a megaphone for Hakadosh Baruch to blast Hashem's message out to the world. And that's not that's not. I don't have my own. I don't have my own ideas. I don't have my own voice. I don't have my own identity. There's nothing better than being able to allow the Dvar Hashem to travel through you. The last book of the Chumash begins Asher Diber Moshe. The punchline of the Torah is that Moshe has become Hashem's megaphone. This is the word of Hashem as as traveling through Moshe Rabbeinu. On the outside, it looks like the loudspeaker is the one giving the drasha. After all, the, the sound is coming from it. It's just a vessel to reveal to allow the person's voice, the one who's truly responsible for that, that idea, to be heard in the world. So circling back to where we started, we have to make a choice. Paro also became Hashem's loudspeaker, but in a very disgraceful way. Hashem says, I'm going to make a mockery out of you, Paro. You're going to be a plaything in my hand. You're a toy. I use you as a tool to carry out my desire. I'm using you as an instrument. Right? And that's a bizarre that I have to force you into that. We, as, as, as genuine Ovde Hashem, we have the opportunity to choose that. And we choose that every time we, we allow ourselves to become a vessel for Kodesh Okay? Let's wrap up. What does all of this have to do with Chodesh Shvat? That's the big Shaila for the day. I told you today we're going to learn about Chodesh Shvat. Two Bishvats this week. Wednesday night is two Bishvats. Okay? So what's the avod of Chodesh Shvat? It's such, again, it's such an important message for us as we begin a, a new Zaman together. So turn to the second side of the page, the Bnei Yisasra. Bnei Yisasra is our Rebbe, Tzvi Ali Melech Midinov, the author of the Agra Dekala, our Chumash Sefer, for those who are new. Okay, the Bnei Yisasra is a much, even more famous Sefer. Bnei Yisasra goes through the, the calendar year, through the holidays, the Yom Tov, and he writes on each month. So he writes in source number 10, take a look, the final source. Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira is one of the earliest works of Kabbalah. Attributed to Avraham Avinu. Yes, you heard me right. Attributed to Avraham Avinu. I don't know what that means exactly, but that's what we assume. Now, Avraham Avinu left us this legacy of Sefer Yitzira, the book of creation. Very dense, deep Kabbalistic work. But the Bnei Yisassar breaks it down for us. And he tells us that every month, again, based on Sefer Yetzirah, every month has different elements that are associated with the month. So, for example, he says, every month has a letter that's associated with the month. Every month has an action that's associated with the month. Every month has a body part that's associated with the month. Every month has an astrological sign, a horoscope, a mazal, that's associated with with the month. Remember the front of the building? Yeah, sure. It's your trip. <laughs> I will have to show the new guys the, the secret treasures of Yeshiva University. Okay? So he writes, Sefer Yetzira, Himlich os Tzadi Bili'ita. Hashem crowned the letter Tzadi, that's the letter of the month, the letter Tzadi. Bili'ita. Li'ita is the action of the month. Anyone know what Li'ita means? Haliteni nam in Adom Adom Right? When Esau said, pour the, pour the red lentil soup down my throat. Li'ita is a very gluttonous form of eating. Loosely translated as eating, right? But it's like stuffing oneself with, what, how are you translating it? Swa- yeah, swallowing. 
right? It's like swallowing because a person is eating in such a gluttonous fashion they're barely even chewing the food. Okay, so that's interesting. That's the action for the month of Shvat. Again, tikkun achila, fixing our eating, has a lot to do with the month of Shvat. That's why like Tuba Shvat, the whole idea of tasting all the different fruits and eating them with a bracha properly and good kavana, it's a big part of what Tuba Shvat's about. Okay, so in Sefer Yetzirah it says, the letter Tzadi, the action is Le'ita, the mazel, the astrological sign, the horoscope, the next bolded word is the deli. What's a deli? Bucket, a pail. Interesting. Aquarius, I think in English. Yeah? The deli. And the month, you can see, next bolded word is shvat. And the body part is the korkavan. The korkavan is like the digestive tract of a bird. The crop? Yeah, the crop. Okay, that's not even a human body part. Le'ita, very animalistic eating. Korkavan, strange. But however, I want to focus on I want to focus on the mazel as we wrap up this year. The mazel for the month of Shvat that we're currently in is the mazel of Dili. Dili means a pail, a pail, a bucket. He writes in the second line, Amru Hatochniyam Harishonim. He says the early the early teachers of Torah, those who understood the deep secrets of Torah, revealed to us ki mazel deli hu mazel Yisrael. Have you hear this? If you have to pick, it doesn't matter what month you're born in. If you're a Jew, your mazel is some way. Your mazel, first of all, he writes in parentheses hagam de kaimalan ein mazel Yisrael. I thought the Gemara tells us Masechet Shabbos the Jewish people are above mazel. When Avram Avinu looks up at the stars and says, I'll never have a son, what does Hashem say to Avram? Like Rashi says. He takes a machutza, they go outside, God takes Avram up above the stars. You're not bound by the you're not bound by the planets, the stars, the revolutions of the the heavenly hosts. That, that's not Shaykh to you. So on the one hand, Ain Mazal Yisrael. All of us are Lamalam and Ateva. We're not bound by by anything of the natural world. We transcend all of that. But if you have to pick a mazel that embodies the Jewish people, we find, says the Bnei Yisrael in early sources, that the mazel of the Jewish people is the deli. Interesting. If you look at the Mepharshim on the Sefer Yitzirah, this is what they say. If you understand Ibshitz, the Yaros Dvash, and his Joshua says, the mazel of Klai is the deli. What does that mean? What do we mean? The pale? That's our mazel? What does that mean? What does that even mean? Look what he says. He says, I'll tell you why. Where it's bolded in the fourth line. Because a pail has a very simple mission. What do you do with a pail? Draw water. It serves water. It's a vessel to receive and to distribute water. Period. That's all it is. Ve'ein mayim ele Torah. And we know from the Gemara in Bava Kama, Daf Zion, that ein mayim ele Torah. Water always means water is life, water is Torah. And therefore the avoda of a Jew in this world is to say, I am very happy to be, not only am I happy to be a loudspeaker for Hashem, I'm happy to be a bucket for Hashem. I want to be a vessel. I want to gather water. I want to amass Torah in my life. And I want to distribute Torah to others. That's my old job. That's it. That's my mazel. That's my lot in this world. 
Like the Pasuk says, Hoi Anyone who's thirsty, come to the water. Lohoros ala Amor. It comes to teach us. The Maslo shall Yisrael who Eved Mishamishal Torah. I want to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to be an Eved Hashem. You have a better plan to be a great Jew than following our, our greatest teacher? The most successful Jew of all time, arguably, Moshe Rabbeinu. We have a different, we have a different mahalach. Be an Eved Hashem. Be a person who what? Who gathers water, who 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 shares water, who transports water. All right, that's what it means. That's our avoda in this world. And then he says such an amazing thing. Look what he writes in the next paragraph. Vitavin lefizad, the second paragraph. With this we understand what Chazal told us, where it's bolded. Ha'eved ha'ne'eman shel avinu. If I were to ask you, before I got it stuck in your head that Moshe Rabbeinu was like the paradigm of what it means to be an Eved Hashem. If I would ask you in the Chomish, who's the greatest Eved? You would say, Eliezer Eved Avram. Right? That's when we first encounter what it means to be an Evan, the faithful servant of Avraham Avinu, Eliezer Eved Avraham. So look, Ha'eved Hanaman shall Avraham Avinu, Shuhu Hayaharishon Rosh Yichuseinu, Avraham Avinu, who's the starting point of our whole lineage, had an Eved, Sheikh Biwa Kadesh Baruchu Lamalam and Amazalos. Avraham himself was beyond Mazal. But we can learn a lot from what, even though Avram, of course, is also Eved Hashem, we can learn a lot from Avram's Eved. Right? Avram is the first real Jew. He had someone who was Makarev, who was an Eved, in the full sense of the word. Hine Avdo Zekan Beso. The Eved, the Eved of his home. What do Chazal say about him? Darshu Alav Bepasek, Uven Meshek Beisi Hu Demesek Eliezer. Pasuk says about Eliezer that he's called Damasek Eliezer, Eliezer from Damascus. Says Chazal, Rashi tells us, Chazal tell us, what does it mean, Damasek? That he was Dole Umashka Mitoras Rabo Lacher. Why was he called Damasek Eliezer? Because he was Dole, because he was like a Dali, he was like a pale. He was Dole, he drew upon his Rebbe's waters, he clung to his Rebbe's every word. Dola Umashka Mitoras Rabbo. He collected the teachings of Avram Avinu. The same way Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, Zuchusayan had a Rabbi Nasan, who gave us a Lakutim Maran, who wrote down Rabbeinu's teachings. So Avram Avinu also. Moshe Rabbeinu has the Yoshua. Avram Avinu has an Eliezer Eved Avram. Who's Dola Umashka. He's a Dali, he's a pal. He's Dola Umashka Mitoras Rabbo Lacherim. He collects his Rabbi's teachings and shares them widely with everyone. And therefore, says the B'nai Yisassar, two final points. Next paragraph. And with this, we understand that when Eliezer Eved Avram goes to find a Shidduch for really the first Jew, in a sense, of all time, the first natural-born Jew, if you will. Who's the first Jewish child to get a bris on his eighth day? Who's the first real Yid from the time he's a little baby? Yitzchak. Avram didn't grow up in a... Avram grew up in a house of idol worshippers. Yitzchak's the first Jew to grow up with normal Jewish parents. Avram and Sarah had a son, his name is Yitzchak. Now it's time for Yitzchak to get married. In a sense, this is going to be the first Jewish home that's that's being, you know, built with the first Jew, with Yitzchak. And Avram says, okay, you know what to do. He sends who? He sends Eliezer Eved Avram. He sends someone who knows what it means to be an Eved. Where does he send him? Where does he go? He goes to a well. And what does he say? What's the sign? How do I know it's a good shidduch? Someone texted, texted me this morning. 
I said, Rebbe, I gave someone your number. I should have asked you beforehand, but I gave someone your number. They're going to call you about a shidduch. Is it okay that I gave your number? So you already, already decided. So, <laughs> so of course, I said, of course it's okay. Right? How do you find a good shidduch? What are you looking for? Eliezer comes to the well. I need a shidduch for Yitzchak Avinu, the Heilig Yitzchak Avinu. You know what he does? He goes to a well and he says, Rabboni Sholem, send me what? Send me a woman who's what? Who's good with a pail. That's what he said. Send me a woman who's going to what? Who's going to draw water and give me to drink and give my camels to drink and, and like be so generous with what? So capable at drawing water and dispersing water. That's a shit. That's, that's the, that's it. That's what Yitzhak Avinu is looking for. A girl who's good with a pail? And the answer is yes. Because if you understand what the avod of a Jew in this world is, if you understand what it means to be an Evad Hashem in this world, that's it. I, want to, I just want to be a pail. I want to be a loudspeaker for Hashem. I want to be the Kli that gathers water, that zochet to receive water, realize what a schus it is that we're in yeshiva, that we have the privilege to receive water, and then to share that water with others. Don't ever take that for granted. And lastly, says the Bnei Yisrael in the final paragraph, With this we can understand one of the only dates that's recorded in the Chumash. Not a lot of dates in the Chumash. Not a lot of dates where it tells us what day, what month, what day. There's very few of those. Moshe Rabbeinu, at the beginning of Chumash Devarim, is described at what? As, as expounding the Torah in 70 languages. Look what he writes. Moshe Rabbeinu At the beginning of the month of Shvat, as the Pasuk says, three lines from the end. It was in the 11th month. That's Shvat. It was Be'echel Lechodesh, on Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Says the Pasuk, Ho'il Moshe Be'er as HaTorah Hazos Lemor. Moshe began to expound the Torah. Rashi says he translated and taught the Torah in 70 languages. He left a legacy of Torah for anyone, everywhere, anyone who wants to draw on the waters of Torah. Again, like the Navi told us, anyone who's thirsty, come and drink. Ein Mayim El Torah. In my Torah, it's available to everyone. Moshe is Be'er. Be'er means he explains, but it's also like Alashan of a Be'er, which means a well. Moshe unleashed the wellsprings of Torah. It's not surprising then that when Baal Shem Tov met Mashiach, so Mashiach says to the Baal Shem Tov, No, when are you coming? Baal Shem Tov says to Mashiach, when are you coming? Mashiach says, when your wellsprings, when your water is spread out. And the teacher, when you, when you become right, the, the holy water schlepper that you're supposed to be. So, Chavah, let's end with the story. Let's end with the story. This is how the story was uh, told by my friend and Rebbe, Rabbi Judah Mashal Shlita. One day when the Baal Shem Tov was standing outside his house with his students, they saw Chaikel, the water schlepper, coming down the street with two heavy pails of water on his shoulders. The Baal Shem Tov noticed that Chaikel was without his usual smile and inquired as to his well-being. Oi, Rebbe, cracks the water schlepper, hunched over and tired. To tell you the truth, I'm feeling so down. I'm getting older losing strength every day. Yidin are building new homes and moving up the hillsides. How am I supposed to schlep up there with the heavy buckets on my back? It's taking me so long to complete my route. And I'm losing money every day. Rebbe, things are really tough. The very next morning, the Baal Shem Tov was once again standing with his students. As Heichel passed by, schlepping his water. This time as he approached, Heichel had some spring in his step and looked ahead taller than the day before. The Baal Shem Tov greeted him and again asked him how he was. This time, Chaikov responded with a big smile, Rabbi, chaste Hashem, all is well. Every day, and it's new opportunities, new challenges, new mountains to climb. What a privilege to be in the service of others. 
Heichel joyfully made his way up the hill, leaving a group of baffled Talmidim in his wake. They looked at the Rebbe in disbelief. It was as if they had seen two different people, two different Heichels. Said the Baal Shem Tov, Chavra, it's the same Heichel, the same water pails, the same schlep to the houses high upon the hills. Heichel is a Vassar Traeger, he's a water schlepper. It's his place in the world. That's his, his mazel. That's his lot. It's also his decision every day to decide whether he'll be sameach b'chalko or chalila be mired in negativity and bitterness. The holy Baal Shem Tov looked at his students. He looked them in the eyes. You might think that yesterday Chaikal had a bad day and today he has a good day, but it's not true. I tell you, there are no good times and bad times. There are only happy times when a yid chooses to be b'simcha and sad times when we don't see that everything happens for a reason. All that we experience in our lives is the same Ratzon Hashem. It just depends how we receive it. However, you could be paro and you could spend your whole life fighting against Hashem. Or you could be like Moshe Rabbeinu and you could be like Avram Avinu, you could be like Eliezer and Avram, you could be like Rivka by the well and you can embrace the schus of being a water schlepper. It's not such a schlep when you think of it that way. I, I, get, to be the, I get to be the mouthpiece of the Dvar Hashem. I get to learn Masechus Brachos. I get to learn the Torah of Tzadikim. I get to. I get to. It's such a, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. And we have to see ourselves with that humility. The same way that when the Chavetz Chaim finished writing the Mishnah Brura, you know what he said? He said, "Hashem, I want to thank you for allowing, allowing me to publish, allowing the Mishnah Brura to come through me." You know how hard the Chavetz Chaim worked to write the Mishnah Brura. Hashem should be thanking the Chavetz Chaim. Hashem should say, Chavetz Chaim, I want to thank you for your service. Chavetz Chaim didn't say that. He said, Hashem, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for allowing me to be the tool to express halacha clearly. That's how we have to see ourselves. It's holy water schleppers. And that's the avod of Chodesh Shvat. Chodesh Shvat is the mazel of the Jewish people. Be a, be a pal, be a vessel. These are the best years of your life. These are the best years of your life. Even during finals time. They're the best years of your life. You get to sit in yeshiva, get to learn Torah, get to develop your hashkafa sachayim. There's nothing, there's nothing better. Yeah, Jordan, we'll give you the last word. Yeah. And then one thing that I just, I don't know why I necessarily remember this, but one thing that I thought was interesting was the Quran that puts it together in the description of Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's pretty amazing. For someone who is as, you know, accomplished in so many areas and so many things you could say about Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein and all he wanted was to just be called Eved Hashem. And he was. By the way, he was. He was. A faithful, a faithful. That's what his kids said about him. His own children, you know, it's one thing when you're like a big Russian Shiva in the world. You know, like, well, what, are your, what do your own family members think of you? Sometimes they get pushed aside for the Talmudim and the aspirations for the world. They said that our father, our father was the most authentic person through and through. There was no distinction between Rav Aaron Lichtenstein the Rosh Hashiv and Rav Aaron Lichtenstein the, the dad. There was no, there was no chilik between them. To be such an authentic Ever Hashem, that's that's an awesome, that's an awesome compliment.
So, all right, we should be zocha. We should be zocha. Amen. Zocha.